0: Well, good, good morning, family. <laughs> Harvest Fest. <laughs> Tonight's going to be uh, a great night. I, you know the story. I, I share it every year um, for those who are new. We, um, years ago, my kids came home from school the day after Halloween. And uh, he said, all the kids, all the other kids had candy, and they didn't. We were, you know, we know the, the starting of Halloween, and it's a pagan holiday. And um, it has such a, a horrible, well, my, my phone is talking to me, excuse me. I don't know why it's talking to me, but it's telling me, well, it's, um, and I can't turn it off, so it's preaching. Actually, it's telling me Harvest Fest is tonight. Must be our post. We'll cut that out of the YouTube. Uh. Excuse me. That was a new one. I've had it ring before. But I've never had it talk to me, so. Where were we? Harvest Fest. Our kids, my kids coming home, no candy. And um, we had, you know, Halloween has this pagan um, kind of I'm hearing music too. Is that, is that the kids? Wow. It's gonna be a good Sunday. It's gonna be phenomenal. <laughs> it's so great. The um, so you know this, we we back then especially churches around the, you know there was all this preaching about you know we don't we don't celebrate Halloween and 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 uh, and you know it's a pagan holiday and it's really not as important what it's how it started what's important is what it is now and and it is a it's the main it's the holy day for. For all, all that's evil. I mean satanic. Um, it's really a, a day in which there's a lot going on on Halloween. And I remember at the time we were having, we decided well, while they're doing all their, the Halloween stuff's going on, we're going to have a prayer meeting. And so we were hunkered down in our little prayer meeting, you know, cursing all the evil. And, uh, and we just sang a song. You know, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. We serve a God that doesn't tremble in darkness. We we serve a God who stands strong against darkness and darkness trembles. And that's the fact. Demons would get in the, when Jesus would come and demons, to, to, to demonize, the demonized would scream in fear. That's who our Jesus is. And um, so I'm kind of sitting there in that, that prayer meeting going, why are we giving a day to the devil? He does not deserve a day. So instead of like going, you know, be careful on Halloween, let's not, I said, let's take over. So we did in our little community at the time, we started this harvest festival and we did it on Halloween on purpose. You know, we didn't gonna do it a day before or a day after. We wanna take we wanna take Halloween. We're gonna celebrate Jesus, we're gonna have fun, our kids are gonna get candy. And in fact, our kids got more candy than the kids that went trick-or-treating, so that they could go back and go, look what I got, right? We went to church. And we started that with just a handful of kids would come and so forth. And, and now several thousand people will show up probably tonight. We missed last, last year because of COVID, so we don't know what the turnout will be. But on, on a normal um, Harvest Fest, we'll have several thousand people come. And there'll be people from the community. Most of our kids don't, don't dress up scary. Um, some dress up, some don't. We don't care. We're going to celebrate the Lord. We have a, we have a, a prayer tent. People can go and get prayer. They're here on campus, and we are not afraid of the devil. And uh, and so tonight we're going to do that. And we need help. It it takes about three hundred volunteers. We need people that will help tonight, and you can give any amount of time that you can give. If you can help us out, that would be great. You can sign up in the foyer. And after church, those of you who want to help us, we have to we have to set up chairs and tables and that kind of stuff. Some of the major stuff is already done. But um we have some things to do. Take a, take a little while, maybe an hour or so. Um, if any of you can stick around and help us, you just come out over here on the side where we're meeting and uh we're just gonna get get it started and get going and Get it all ready for tonight. If you can help us with that, that would be great too. Um, and invite your neighborhood, invite your kids, your neighbor kids, and so forth, the families to come. And it's always just a phenomenal night. So that's what we're doing. And now one other thing I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Last week we presented to you um, a ministry that's in Uganda. And some of you saw that video that we're here and are watching online. Um, of uh, We wanted to help Shane, who is from our church, who has, um, they have three schools there in Uganda, and, um, and the bathrooms were, well, I don't know if you can call them a bathroom. There's some walls, basically. And we saw those as he videoed what it was like, and because uh, we had asked him, what, what do you need? And he says, we need bathrooms. And so, the kids lived there. So actually, the shower looked like I don't know—it wasn't a shower. You know, it had some walls and some water. So they said it would cost seven thousand dollars, and I went to you guys and said, "Hey, um, give whatever the Lord tells you to." And we got fifteen thousand dollars. So. We're uh, we're sending it, and uh, they're going to take pictures when it's all done, and we get to see what happened, what they did. So, with the money, so we're we're happy about that. Thank you, being generous as you are. Um, Today, we're going to talk about. I said I was going to do an update on Bible prophecy. We're probably going to do several weeks on this, but I, um, I wanted to talk to you. Here's my title: Where are we going? Where are we going? And here's my question. Is the world getting better or worse? That's the question. Is it getting better or worse? And I would say yes. I think it's getting better and worse. And 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 because though the world itself The system of the world, the kingdom of darkness in this world is getting worse. Um, The kingdom of God is growing, and God is doing amazing things. It's parallel. And we're not, what we're going to look at this morning is not really, you know, the way we judge whether it's good or not good is based upon our world. You know, we live in a nation, we judge it based upon where that nation's going. We live in a community, we judge it, we judge it based upon our, our workplace and where we live and all of that, if the world's getting better or worse. The Bible gives a bigger picture, it's the world. And it tells us what will happen in the world, it tells us what we can expect in the world. And and what we see is a parallel parallel extremes, is what we see. Parallel extremes. That the world there, there are, th- this parallel of the world and the kingdom of God is going, and it's get, going to get extreme in the last days. Darkness is going to get darker, light is going to get lighter, brighter. That's what's going to happen, and we see that in the Scripture. Now, we're going to talk about Bible prophecy for a couple of weeks, and it's something we do frequently we will um, talk about what the Bible says. Let me tell you why that's important. Because it's not true everywhere you go. There are churches that will not talk about Bible prophecy. In fact, it was interesting. I, I noticed that some of, the, some of the progressive churches were actually talking against talking about Bible prophecy. Which is very contrary to the Bible itself. You know, 30% of the Bible is Bible prophecy, 30%. 17 books out of the Old Testament, out of the 39 books of the Old Testament, 17 are prophetic books. In in, in, In the New Testament, Jesus gave large portions of his teaching time and, you know, in the Gospels, you see a large portion of Bible is on end times. It talks about prophecy. We have that. In fact, the way God ended the Bible for us is a book that is fully on prophecy, the book of Revelation. So, to say, why would we talk about Bible prophecy? It's because we don't want to throw out a third of the Bible. You see, this, we are... Committed to all the Bible, and if you're going to talk about the Bible, if you're going to teach, if you teach it from Genesis to Revelation, thirty percent of your teaching will be Bible prophecy. So, ignoring it is really something contrary to what the Scriptures even teach us to do, and because it's very, very important, it's important to us, and uh, and we take a look at it, we we recognize that. Jesus was committed to teaching us about things that were to come, and we find ourselves in the place right now where more and more people are starting to recognize how important it is to, um, to understand what's going, coming down the road, and the Bible gives us that. The Bible itself tells us um, to know and to understand. We've been instructed by the Bible to know and understand Bible prophecy. There's an interesting uh, scripture in in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 25 where it says this, "'Know therefore and understand.'" Now he's talking to Daniel, but it was written down for us. "'Know therefore and understand,' Daniel 9.25, "'that from the going forth of the command to restore and and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks and the street shall be built again and the wall even to troublesome times.'" I'm not going to go into that teaching. It's a, um, there's a lot to it. Well, I have done it before. We've done it before. But, and we probably will again at some point. But the, the important thing is that this scripture that he said to know and understand is the very portion of scripture that gives us a time frame 483 years in advance tells us when Jesus was going to die for the sins of the people, says that the Messiah would be cut off for the sins of the people. He would die for the sins of the people. And if if you were around and you had known and understood that prophecy, you would have known that Jesus was the Messiah. Not knowing that was extremely costly to the Jewish people. It's why Jesus on Palm Sunday, you know, came down and, and fell down and wept over Jerusalem and, and, and cried and said, If they, you would have only known the day of your visitation, they should have known the day of their visitation. If they would have just known what this prophecy meant, if they would have studied it when God said, Know and understand, if they would have, they would have known that Jesus had to be the Messiah. He had to. There was nobody else around. There's nobody else. Jesus died on the very year that Daniel got the, it, the word of Daniel prophesied that he would. And some have done the, the, the numbers and say it's to the very weak. It, it's that detailed. To the very week, that Jesus Christ would die in advance. Knowing prophecy is important. Obviously God thinks so. And because it tells us such important things like that, um, it's important that we, we try, you see. I, 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 I think more and more people are wanting to know now. I think we're looking at the world around us and saying something's happened, this looks a lot like what the Bible says about the end times. And so because people are doing that, um, people are more apt to to learn now some people just kind of throw their hands up and say i don't understand it so you know i know jesus coming back that's good enough and you can do that and you can live that way but i i think there's some things that are risky in just kind of throwing up your hands like that i really believe that if you'll pursue god will show you it might take a while some will get it sooner than others but the fact is, if you continue to pursue, you will understand. I know, I'm a slow learner on things, and I know, that I, know this te- I know these things really well. I put my heart to it for many, many years, and have studied it. And you can learn, and you don't have to be an expert in it, but you should know what it's go- about, because if they would have known, they might not have spent 2,000 years wandering all over the world. They might have in fact received their Messiah, and the benefits of all that would have come to them. But they didn't, they didn't see it. So we need to make sure that we see, because I believe something's coming down that is actually going to affect, excuse me, all of us and many people, millions of people, millions of people who say they're followers of Jesus, or say they are Christians, some are, some aren't, but there are millions of people who have no clue what's going to come ahead of time. And, you know, we live in Orange County. We live in the bastion of Bible prophecy, right? I mean, this is, this is where a lot of it, a lot of really um, great prophetic Bible teachers have taught and uh, in Orange County, a lot of amazing things have happened in this county in the past. And, um, and yet, there are a lot of Christians even here, let, you know, let alone hundreds of millions of Christians around the world in places they, that, that, you know, and Christians in name, Christians who go to churches that are not Bible teaching churches have no clue of this. So um, I wanna take us to Matthew 24. Matthew 24, 25, Mark 13, Luke 21. These are portions of scriptures that that Jesus did on the Mount of Olives as he talked to them about the future, about what would happen. And so we're gonna go through it. Obviously we can't, we don't have the time. To do detail, but we're going to go and we're going to get some major things from this, and I think it'll help us understand a little bit more about Bible prophecy. At least it's going to give us a start this morning. Um, Jesus was on this Mount, Mount of Olives, and he's looking over the temple. You could see the Temple Mount from the Mount of Olives. We've been there many times. And, um, and, and as you're looking down over the Temple Mount, he, he says, All these things, these buildings, talking about the temple. He says, uh, you tear it down and it'll it'll be raised up in three days. And they they thought, no way, that thing's been in, they've been building that thing for over 40 years. And, um, but then then the, the writer says, he was talking about the temple of his body. Looking back, he wasn't talking about that temple. He was talking about this temple, his temple. He was the temple of the, of the Holy Spirit. He was a temple of God. So then he says, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Now who's, was he talking to? I want you to catch this. Who's he talking to? The disciples. <laughs> they came to him privately. I, is that a trick question? <laughs> I know in school, you always hate to be the one to answer because you might be wrong, you know, and the teacher, goes, nah, you, how could you believe that? Um, I won't do that. Um, yeah, it was, he, he's, he's, uh, goes, he's at the Mount of Olives. his d- disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of his coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Now the first thing Jesus says is don't be deceived. I mean, be aware. Why? Because deception is a big deal as we go through, you know, throughout church history until his his coming. Deception is a big deal. It's going to be something that is actually going to culminate at the very end. There's going to be tremendous deception. And so Jesus says to them, Take heed. Don't be deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am Christ. And, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. I hear of wars and rumors of wars and I'm not troubled? No, because know that this is going to happen. Be aware. How, and be aware of where the world is heading. Understand? I mean, the last century was the worst more people died in the last century because of wars and, and annihilation. Communism murdered over 100 million people. Fascism killed 55 million people. Oh man. You'll hear wars and rumors or see that you're not troubled. All these things will come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilence. Oh, where were that? And earthquakes in various places. He says, listen, this is all happening. But I want you to see, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Another translation, the beginning of birth pains. It's like labor, starts off small and infrequent and increases in intensity and frequency. And so he says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation. Now, when he says it's beginning of sorrows, I want you to notice something. What is going on here? Jesus is saying to them, this is what he's telling them, it's gonna be a while. Do you get that? You get that sense? He's not telling them, listen, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to be out of here, but I'm coming right back. That's not what is being said here. What is being said here is there is going to be a lot of things happening before I return. There's going to be wars, and, and there's going to be pestilence. There's going to be famines. There's going to be all these things. And this is just the beginning. So there's more to come. Now, we're looking back. We have the the advantage of looking back over 2,000 years and saying, yeah, that all happened, just like he said. But they were looking forward. And Jesus, I think, wants to give them this. That's why he said, listen, you hear these things, don't don't, don't be troubled. This is what's going to happen. I want you to know it. Settle down. Relax. It's only the beginning of troubles. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. That is true of, much of most of the church in the world today even. Then many will be offended, will be, betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many and because lawlessness will abound the love of many will go cold. But he who endures to, to the end shall be saved. In other words, Keep going. Don't stop. And then he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Hey, while all this is going on, guess what's happening? The gospel is being preached from generation to generation. It's not being stamped out. It's growing. More and more people are, getting, are hearing the gospel. See, as the world is getting darker, the light is getting lighter. Eventually, every nation in the world will hear the gospel. And you say, well, hasn't that happened already? Ye- yes and no. If you think of nations as we do, but the Bible uses the word ethnos, which means this, every ethnic group... We have all kinds of ethnic groups in America, for instance, but there are places like India, where the ethnic groups have different languages, places like Africa and other uh, other continents in, around the world, where um, there are hidden pockets of ethnic groups. I remember a missionary organization in the '90s uh, g- got together and began to identify all the ethnos in the world all the ethnic groups and the target was to hit all the ethnic group by the year 2000 we didn't make it we didn't get it done but we're still working at it the church is still working at it, we're getting closer there will be a day when every single ethnic group more people are getting the Bible in their own language you know we, we just saw that here uh, when we celebrated um, for um, f- Missions Press that, that there is how many nations are now getting the gospel in their own language, how many ethnos. That's happening. But I want you to see, Jesus says, it's not going to happen until all that happens. And so, you, if you're sitting with Jesus, you're going, well, that's going to be a long time. That's exactly what Jesus wanted you to know. We knew it wasn't going to be Immediately. Jesus himself said, you know, told Peter how he was going to die. So everybody knew that until Peter died, they weren't, Jesus wasn't going to come back. Peter had to die. There wasn't going to be a resurrection before Peter died. And there was all kinds of other things that Jesus said that were very clear. And you can see he's talking about a long time from now. You know, that there would be all these things. And yet, the, well, it happened on the day of Pentecost. G- Peter stood up and he quoted the book of Joel and he he quoted the scripture that says the spirit of the Lord that that in the last days, God would pour out his spirit on all flesh, on all flesh. It's going to happen in the last days and it started on the day of Pentecost. And so, is the world getting better or worse? Yes, it is. And we're part of that which is transformational. In, uh, in Matthew 25, Jesus told a parable to kind of solidify what I'm trying to explain about Jesus knowing. Je- see, Jesus, you know, the Bible says no one knows the day or the hour. Do you know when Jesus said that, he says, my father only. You know Jesus knows the day or the hour now, don't you? He, he, he said that because in his humanity, he put away his godly prerogatives. So, when he took up his godly prerogatives again, he knows everything. He's all-knowing. He knows when he's coming back. But, but he knew then, at least, he might not have known the day or the hour, but he knew this. It was going to be a long time. So he told this parable in in the twenty fifth chapter, the next chapter. He tells this parable, and it's a, really an end times parable. It's, it's about it's about judgment and and rewards. And he told a parable about three guys that the, the, his, their their um, their lord had said to them. You know, he handed them talents and said, um, take your talents and and I'm coming back. Do something with it. And so he gives them the talents. And then verse 30 of chapter 25 says, uh, I'm sorry, verse 19 says, after a long time. Everybody say after a long time. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So, he gives them the talents and he goes away. Now, this is a picture for all of us, God has given all of us talents. We have responsibilities. A day we'll give account to God for the things we did with what God gave us, and and this is the story Jesus tells of that. And but notice, Jesus, the, 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 as Jesus is telling it, he says after a long time. Now that wasn't by accident. It wasn't just a filler. Jesus was explaining something, that the Lord, as he gives the talents, will be gone for a long time. Now, we've been almost 2,000 years, right? I think that's a long time. And he will come back. I I think 2,000 years is approximately the time frame. I've talked about that before, the six-day creation and uh, possibly the 6,000-year creation. Reference there. But the point simply is this. It's going to be a long time. And then when he comes back, he says to those who had invested and got more out of it, he said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And we all use those terms saying that's what we want to hear from God when we enter into the presence of God. Well done, good and faithful servant. And because that's, that parable is about that. The, the third person hit it. And the scripture says about him that he judged the Lord, saying, "You're a harsh man who who uh, reaps what you don't sow." So I hid it because I was afraid. And he gets the consequences of doing that, and says he will be cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So you see, there is destruction for him. Eternal, you know, he's he's separated from God. He gets hell. And all of this happens at the end when the Lord comes back. All I want you to see is all these things that Jesus is saying is, gives us an indication that Jesus was not planning on coming back right away. It was supposed to be a long time, it is a long time. In fact, it's even warned we're warned of those who will start mocking because the Lord hasn't returned. They'll mock the believers who say Jesus is coming back and and they'll mock by saying, well, there's been a long, he's been saying that and saying that and saying that. So you would expect that it would be a long time and that people will in fact mock before he comes back saying, so that's part of the prophetic landscape that we're in now. It's been and has been a long time. Now, what are we to watch for? Go back to Matthew 24 and look at verse 14. Again, it says, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, then the end will come. Now, he's talking about the end, right? Talking about the end, and then he says this, Therefore, when you see, now uh, that's that is a very key little phrase. We'll pass over. Don't pass over that. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Now Jesus is quoting Daniel the prophet, and Daniel the prophet um, talked about this. He says, "When you see the abomination of desolations." spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Now, Daniel talked about the Antichrist who would come in the last seven and a half year period, or seven year period. And in, in the middle of that seven year period, the Antichrist would go into the temple in Israel, desecrate the temple, and declare himself to be God. Now, and then look at what it says right after that. Whoever reads, let him understand. See that? We're supposed to understand this one. Now, it says, say it again, when you see. Why is that important? Who is he talking to? We already said it. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the disciples, right? Now, but he knows it's going to be a long time. So the people he's talking to when he says, when you see, he knows they will not see. They will have been dead long time before this. So in implication and why it says, let those who read understand, who is the ones he's looking to to read? Well, you have two choices. One is that he's talking to unbelievers. You could have, you could, you could you could say that what he is is he's talking to people who will not be followers and will go through the tribulation period because as some believe that the rapture will happen at the beginning of the tribulation period. So there'll be a rapture and these people will be stuck in the tribulation period and he's, so he's telling them, when you see the abomination of desolation, know the time is near. But why wouldn't you say to an unbeliever, when you see millions of people, it's probably more evident around the world, disappearing. Why wouldn't you say, when you see millions of people disappearing, know that the time is at the end. Why would you say when the, because that is more clear In fact, there have been other times when the temple has been desecrated that you could maybe interpret possibly that 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 was it. But why, so why not say that instead of what happens in one little town in in the world, Jerusalem, where a man goes in the temple and desecrates it. Why not? Well, because he's not talking to unbelievers. He was talking to believers when he said it, and so it's meant for believers. See, it's meant for believers. Well, if it's meant for believers, now it makes sense because there are millions of people that disappear before this happens. In fact, this is the thing that indicates to a believer that they're in the tribulation period, and time is short. This is this is the indicator. So he says, "When you see, wow, what are we looking for? When you see the abomination of desecration or desolation, either one, that was uh, talking that then we talked about, that will happen in the middle of the tribulation period, the Bible's the, or the seven-year period, and um, and that you will see that." So this is what he says to look for. Isn't that interesting? 2,000 years ago, Jesus says to look for the abomination of desolation. Now, this makes sense. If you go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, those of you who are following, by the way, um, bring your Bibles with you or bring your digital Bible with you. Okay, look at it one way or the other. Keep, keep connected in this. I, I hope you'll you'll uh, follow along, and I know it's on, on screen, it makes it easier, but um, have something at least even so that you can write notes. My wife is a phenomenal note taker, and uh, after 40 years sitting and listening to me, sometimes two or three times uh, you know, a day on Sundays, and uh, she has all these notes from all the sermons, and I'm sure that's the only way she can tolerate my my message is that she's probably writing in. I don't know if she's just scribbling notes or if she's actually taking them. No, she she does. Second Thessalonians chapter two verse one. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him. Now, the coming of the Lord and the gathering together of him. Listen, there has always been in Jewish you know thought in Old Testament, the anticipation of the resurrection. In fact, the oldest book written is the book of Job. And Job himself says, I know my Redeemer lives, and I will stand on the earth on that day, and in my flesh I will see God. What is that? The resurrection. In my flesh I will see God. So Job, all the way back then, knew uh, all the patriots, the, the, there was this anticipation when Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus had died, their brother, and Jesus comes and, 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 uh, and, and, and they said, and he says, do you believe in the resurrection? And they say, yes, Lord, we believe in the resurrection in the last day. In the last day. That, there's going to be a resurrection. But Paul taught us a mystery. A mystery is something that was hidden but is understood. We can understand it. And the mystery was that it's not just dead people who get to raise, live people get to raise too on the resurrection. See, people who are alive, their bodies get changed. Dead people go first, though. The dead in Christ shall rise. Dead people get to go first. And so their bodies, rise. And so where are they? They're in heaven. Scripture says in Revelation, they said, There be under the throne of God the souls of, of people who have died in Christ, and their bodies are resurrected. And then, us who are live and remain, the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 15, this is a mystery that we're changed in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. The trump sounds, and the dead are raised and we 're and, and we also see that 's the mystery it's co- we call it the rapture, but what it really is is you know is simply the resurrection of the living there 's a resurrection of the dead, and there 's a resurrection of the living. They all happen on the same day at the resurrection day now so he says, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord, um, our Lord Jesus Christ, and our gathering together to him, we ask you. Not to be soon shaken in mind, troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter. It so says, whoever's telling you this false stuff, don't be concerned. As if from us, as though the day of Christ has come. Now, the day of Christ or the day of the Lord is the anticipated time of judgment. And, um, and there is a confusion that the Thessalonians had. I want to clarify something about the day of the Lord. Sometimes people say that the day of the Lord is in fact the tribulation period. And i it's not. It's it, The day of the Lord is one day. It's always been one day. Now sometimes it's the day that starts trouble, but it's always a day. The day of the Lord is a day in which Whatever happens in this case, you know, resurrection happens, judgment happens. Now there wasn't thought that was going around at that time. Remember when Jesus rose from the dead? Mark talks about people who had who had um, also come out of the grave, and there was teaching that the resurrection had happened on that when that happened, and it wasn't. The resurrection is still for the future. And so what he says here in verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless, and he gives us two things, a falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed. These two things, a falling away and the man of sin. So there's going to be, remember Jesus said, don't be deceived. There is coming a deceiver. The deceiver is going to deceive many, many people. People have been falling away. It's throughout church history. People have fallen away. But when this happens, there is going to be, it's called the great falling away. It is the great apostasy. It is this time when there's going to be a massive exit of people. And it's from all over the world. And that's because the deceiver is going to deceive many, many people. And like I said earlier, there are a whole lot of people who could not tell you what the Bible says is going to happen in the last days. There's been it was a recent um, study that was done. It's kind of gotten out there that said that um, they, they, they interviewed people who said they're Christian, said they were Christian. And they asked them, can people go to heaven if they have another belief system, if they, if they have another religion? and over 50 percent of these people they asked i don't know that that really accounts for true born-again believers by any means but of these people over 50 percent of them said yeah i mean if somebody's a sincere buddhist or sincere muslim or sincere whatever else you know it's kind of like as long as they're sincere well we know clearly clearly jesus taught differently we know clearly that he is the only way the truth and the life now Um, all I'm saying is there's a lot of ignorance out there among people who claim to be Christian because they do not know the Scriptures. And because of that, they buy into the the culture of the world. Well, what happens when the culture of this world finds someone that they put their trust in to say this has got to be, in fact, the, the Savior? This is, you know, we have Jesus and we have Buddha and we have whatever, and then we got this guy Who's amazing? He's doing miracles and causing world peace and all of that. Maybe after a very troubled time, maybe after a major war to come, he he comes into that arena. There are going to be people following that. So Jesus said, I mean, uh, Paul says here, there's going to be a great falling away first, and then the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Who's that? The Antichrist. So what are we looking for? The man of sin revealed. When is he revealed? Jesus just told us. He's going to walk into the temple of God declaring himself to be God. We'll know he's the guy. There will be a lot of world leaders. And there have been throughout history. They all failed. They all failed the test. They, they came, some of them came very close. You know you look at somebody like Hitler and go boy that's certainly the Antichrist. right?" And there's all kinds of people in that category. But, but, he, but they weren't. The one who's going to be is the one who walks in that temple and declares himself to be God. And then you know. And he has that, at that point, right at that point, is going to be filled with Satan himself. As Jesus was God in human flesh, the Antichrist will be Satan in human flesh. And, and so, what are we to look for? Well, he says, these things, don't don't be deceived, because these things have to happen first. It says, and he's the one who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and, or that is worship so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself to be God. Now he's talking about what's happening, what to look for. Now he takes us all the way into the very middle of the tribulation period right? I mean, that's what he's taking us through history. He's taking us in advance. We're seeing there's going to be all these things says, that's just the beginning. Then there's going to be all these other things. And it says, and now you're getting closer, right? And, and, and these are birth pains and it's going to get more frequent, more, more intense, and it's going to keep coming. And then he says, but listen, it's not the time. So, but keep your eyes open. When you see the abomination of desecration standing in the temple, Then the very next verse, he's he's still going down this road. It's not like he's changing subject. Immediately after, everybody say after. Immediately after. See, it's always good to interpret scripture based on what is clearly taught as opposed to um, inference. This is very clearly taught. He's giving us a sequence. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So you're going all the way through, you see the abomination of desolation, and he's telling us there's more. Because immediately after the tribulation, something happens there's this cosmic event we call, you know, and it brings clarity. That's why I call it cosmic clarity. And it brings this clarity to us, this cosmic event. It's shown seven times in the scripture. And we know that wherever it is, the next event behind it is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the resurrection of Jesus. And he says, "He says so th- there's this comic, a cosmic event that the, the the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars from uh, fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of the trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. That's the resurrection. Notice it says, he will send his angels with what? There it is, the last trump. There it is, the last trump, with the great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together the elect from the four winds. When does this happen? Immediately after, I'm not gonna say it. Okay. Yeah, that too. All those things. So, here's here's the point: is there's something, some things we still should be looking for in anticipation, and and there's several. I don't. We won't go into all of them, but but one of them is clearly the abomination of desolation that is going to take take place in the temple in Jerusalem. There's one problem. There's no temple, okay? It's kind of a little problem, no temple. And it really is not as big as you think for a couple reasons. For one, there has to be an establishment of um, worship, Jewish worship. Not th- This worship, by the way, The sacri- they're, they're going to bring back the sacrifices. This, by the way, is not sanctioned by God. God is not saying, I want you to do this. He's just saying they're going to do this. And there's going to be an establishment of worship on the Temple Mount. And the Jews have been wanting that for a long time. No politician has the courage to, to fully make that happen. They know the world, especially the Muslim world, will just go crazy because that they consider that their holy place and this is the most holy place for the Jews. So they, they should have done it when they took over Jerusalem the first time, they should have just went up there and started, but they didn't, they gave it over to the Muslims, they didn't have the courage to do that. And so now Muslims will be up there and Jews go up there to do anything, pray or anything and they're kicked off the mount. Sometimes they can even be in prison for it. Um, there's, so, But there's a a whole movement. I've talked about this. I'm not going to go further in this. But point being, it has to be reestablished. It could be established in a matter of a couple weeks because the tabernacle could be built first. And the Bible does say that in the book of Acts, the tabernacle of David will be will be built, will be established. So in that, there are those who will say we can, we could build the tabernacle, start sacrifices and then build the temple, you know, uh, along with it as we're going. So that could actually take place in a very short period of time. Something's going to have to happen before something is going to have to happen to give them the courage to go up the temple mount and and say we can worship here too. Right now, Israel is who knows when they are in, they're in, they're, they're in a time of stress in order to attack Iran. Israel claims that Iran is just weeks away from building a nuclear weapon. They've been doing it, and they're weeks away. Iran, well, they use their, their strategy. Their strategy is that all this time they have not been willing to go to the table with American and other nations about reestablishing the their treaty um, non proliferation treaty with uh, with the you know the, the world or with the United States and others the United States now because of Biden Biden has said he wants he wants to do this he wants to reestablish it. they have said no, but now they know Israel is close to attacking, and so now they 're saying we 'll come to the table. Israel believes that they 're stalling that they 'll come to the table with israel with uh, the United States, and so forth, to negotiate, but it'll be a long time coming. In fact, they're telling us that they'll come, but it's going to be weeks down the road. In the meantime, they're still working on building nuclear weapons. And Israel believes that they're just going to stall until they have a nuclear weapon. They're in a dilemma. Here's their dilemma. If we attack while The United States is wanting to negotiate and is giving word of negotiation. Will we alienate the United States at that point? Because the United States, especially Biden, he's all in on let's redo this treaty and get Iran on board. Israel at the same time is knowing if they wait too long, it'll be too late. They will have nuclear weapons. Then they can be threatened with just one nuclear weapon. Can you imagine what, what one nuclear weapon could do if it hits, you know, Tel Aviv or I mean it just can be an incredibly disastrous for them. They cannot wait. So at some point they're going to have to make a decision on this. And if they do, they will alienate the world against them if they attack. But they have to they have to protect themselves. So what does that do? Well, the Bible does say in the last days, the world, world will be against Israel. It is clear. The nations of the world will be against Israel. The United States at some point will be against Israel. That breaks your heart, doesn't it? It breaks your heart. But we know, you know, depending on the world leader, I mean, Trump was very much for Israel and, and you know, getting the embassy and so forth in Israel. In, um, you know, in Jerusalem, but uh, Biden right now is, they've been discussing putting an embassy in Jerusalem for the Palestinians. So they would do what Trump did, but for the Palestinians. He would put the embassy for the Palestinians in Jerusalem. I mean, we, you know, you have two different directions. At some point, though, it is biblically clear that we will be in the group that is against Israel. And uh, that's not a safe place to be. Um, that's a dangerous place for us. There, there's a blessing even when, even when Israel's sideways. And Israel is. There's, Israel is made up mostly of secularists. They don't you know? It's, they're not mostly religious Jews. I mean, there's a segment of them, but they're, they're mostly secularists. But even then, God has put a covering and a blessing and a plan, and you don't break that as a nation. You don't break that, but that's coming. And in all of that, if they do attack, if this war does bring, what would stop then Israel to go, you know what, the, Is- the whole world hates us anyhow. Um, let's- or maybe in that war, something happens on the Temple Mount and, uh, and then they begin the process. But we can watch it, right? What are we looking for? Well, Jesus said, "When you see the abomination of desolation," talked about. So we see all these other. We'll talk about some of those. We're going to talk about America. Um, I I do want to say this: um, the American church, even though it is going, it, it is getting smaller, the Bible teaching evangelical church is getting bigger. So the mainline churches are diminishing, but the church that is you know, born again and, and Bible believing and on fire for God is growing faster. But worldwide, Worldwide, the church is outgrowing the population growth, worldwide. You know in Africa, at the beginning of, of the last century, um, there was only, uh, in 19th, 19th century, it was uh, only 10,000 Christians in all of the continent of Africa. You know today, there's nearly 400 million. I mean, the ch- it, listen, don't you believe Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yeah, the world's getting darker, but the light is getting lighter. Folks, we're on the winning side. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. And everything that Jesus said he will do, he will do. You can count on it. Well, Father, we thank you. You have given us a sure word of prophecy. And I pray that, Lord, um, we take heed because as we look around us, it looks like everything is happening just like you said it would. And that, Lord, um, we find ourselves, Lord, in the time that um, we can get ready. We should be ready. We should live ever, ever, all the time ready for you. And, Lord, we thank you, God, that today we live under the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen us. And we thank you for your word that, Lord, we can, we can be upheld by it and not deceived because we know the truth. For those who have not come to you, Lord, who are listening today online or here present in this building, that have not said yes to you, Jesus, I pray right now that this would be their moment, that they will say yes to you. And if you're listening and you have not done that, today you can come to salvation in Jesus Christ If you'll just invite Jesus into your life, just say, Jesus, be my Savior. Come into my life. I believe you died for me. I believe you were buried. I believe you you rose again from the dead. I ask you to cleanse my soul and help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's, let's, Let's lift our hearts to Jesus.